0: Hi, everybody. I'm John Sherwood, and this is my podcast where I seek to fuel faith in Jesus in the 21st century. I'm a minister of the gospel and believe in making disciples who make disciples because Jesus really is beautiful and amazing and worth following with everything that we have. You can check out more resources at my website, JohnSherwood.com, where I write about the intersection of faith and modern culture, as well as Bible study, leadership, and faith interviews, all designed to help ignite and fuel faith in Jesus Christ. And with all that, let's dive into the episode. Hey, guys, this is John Sherwood here at johnsherwood.com. Today, we actually have with us uh, the author, Andy Crouch, who recently wrote a book, uh, The TechWise Family. This is an incredible book that I had a chance to read recently, and I also had a chance to hear Andy speak about the book at a conference recently, and I wanted to start off with just a little excerpt from this book uh, that says, the pace of technological change has surpassed anyone's capacity to develop enough wisdom to handle it. And if we don't learn to put technology in all its forms, in its proper place, we will miss out on many of the best parts of life. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate the time.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be here. It's always great to hear my words read aloud. I love it. <laughs> right,
0: right. I'm sure it's a humbling experience, but uh, Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much for for tackling this uh, issue. I know that, um, you know, for me, I'm in the digital space a lot, and I use technology a lot. And, um, you know, I even remember you uh, mentioning when you were speaking at this conference, you were utilizing technology then even to do your presentation. And you acknowledged that, hey, there are many things that, technology can do for us but there are also many inherent dangers there for the christian especially and so thank you for tackling this topic that i honestly don't hear a lot of people talking about so maybe you Mm -hmm. could tell me just a little bit about yourself and how you kind of ended up writing this book and how you ended up kind of on that train of thought
1: yeah well I also use and actually love technology and have for really my whole life. Uh, my dad taught at a university when I was a kid and he brought home, this is way back, a long time ago, brought home this like computer terminal back in the days when that was the only way to you know connect to a computer right. and I just loved it and I, I've loved technology uh, all along. I, I'm fascinated by it. I use it in my work, my writing, video production, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, But at the same time, I have spent really the last 20 years trying to pay very close attention to how how technology is shaping us and our lives.
0: Mm.
1: And while I think technology is very useful uh, and very beneficial in all kinds of ways that we're aware of, I also think it's actually quite dangerous when we don't pay attention to what it's doing to us. So um, that's kind of the deep story of where this book came from, and then... A few friends of mine at this research organization called the Barna Group approached me a couple of years ago and they said, "We're just hearing so often from families specifically." That they are wrestling with all these new devices uh, that are showing up in their kids' schools, uh, in their kids' hands, <laughs> that they're right. handing to their kids. Right. And so I thought this was an interesting way into the uh, question. You know, for families specifically, when is technology helpful? When is it not? But really, it's kind of a way into the question of for all of us, uh, whether whatever stage of life we're in, right, is it helpful. In what ways is it not?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I am a recent dad myself. I've got a uh, 18-month-old boy and another one on the way. And, uh, you know, I read this book and thought, wow, there's, there's so many obvious and great applications to family life and to parenting specifically. But I also thought, just like you said, you know, there's, there's very clear and abundant Um, applications for everyone, you know, whether it's a single person or, uh, or maybe a young youth person themselves. But I thought that, you know, technology is so ubiquitous and everybody in this country and really across the planet just about has a smartphone in their pocket, which is basically a computer, you know, does far more than the terminal that your dad brought home all those years ago. And, uh, you know, and I think that you're, you know, you're, you're recognizing something that I think we are kind of slow to see, which is how is all of this stuff actually influencing us and changing us and shaping us and maybe taking us in trajectories and on paths that that God really uh, you know, doesn't intend for us or that can have harmful effects in our relationship to God and to one another. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what are some of the most you know, prevalent dangers that you see uh, that Christians and people face as technology becomes more and more a part of our daily, hourly, even minute by minute lives?
1: Yeah, well here's what I, I think is the core of the challenge. Technology is specifically designed to make things easy. Um, and we celebrate when it makes things easy so I mean the fact that I can be talking with you in Columbia, South Carolina without having to go there or you having to come here and that we just we had to hit a couple buttons I mean it's just amazing how easy it was right and and we find that very delicious and delightful right and there's all kinds of good uses uh, of that ease the only thing is all growth and all creativity come from things that are not easy Mm -hmm. Uh, so you know, whether it's uh, physical fitness, comes from resistance, right? right? So we are in an absolute crisis of uh, really human health and the body. We're, we're living right now in the midst, in the West and the developed world, in the midst of the first non-infectious epidemic in human history, which is called metabolic syndrome, which is high blood pressure, uh, heart disease, pre-diabetes, which wow. is all because things have made my life so easy that I just sit here like a really large amount of this day. <laughs> At right. Least years- you're standing up, right? maybe I should be standing up too. <laughs> um, so, right, so technology has made it so easy for me to be inactive, right? And, and so that's true at a physical level, but it's actually true in any kind of creative work whether you're writing, whether you're a musician, whether you want to become a better athlete, whether you beca- want to become a more creative leader, mm-hmm. um, all of these things actually only come through encountering difficulty and resistance. And we are systematically removing difficulty and resistance from our lives, mm-hmm. from our kids' lives, from our relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's way easier to break up by text, t- text message than face to face. and so. When we're given the easy choice, we human beings will take it almost every time. But now we're being given the easy choice. It's The easy choice is in our, in our pockets all right. the time. Right. So to me, that's the core issue. Um, it's It makes a lot of things easy, but the one thing that can never be easy is growing as a person and being right. kind of deeply healthy. Yeah. So that's the challenge.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think I've heard you refer to it as easy everywhere. You know, the technology allows easy to be everywhere. Even, even Staples had a huge marketing ploy, you know, on this easy button, you know, just press a button and, you know, and it's so interesting because in God's kingdom, right, in God's design, uh, in this broken world, this fallen world, there is a lot that we incur that is not easy, you know, and uh, and like you said, I think part of our nature wants to remove the difficulty. It's funny because not only in the physical component of our bodies in this epidemic of obesity and, and as you said in the Western and developed world we're facing all these new health challenges that really has a lot of connection and correlation to technology and our modern lifestyles. But I also see as especially in the younger generations, there tends to be a lack of resilience emotionally, you know, a lack of perseverance. And I'm wondering if there's correlations there as well, maybe to technology and our current lifestyles. Maybe you could speak to that.
1: Oh, man. Well, I think that easy button is such a good example because, you know, uh, it implies that there ought to be a button for every problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And for all the really important things in life, there is no button. Mm. And there never will be a button, actually, but we can simulate um, a life that is a lot easier than real life. Mm. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, this, is, this is the risk, is that we, st- and and one of the people who's really influenced me is this philosopher named Albert Borgman, and he says, uh, our world has become full of devices, uh, and and that's okay. Any given device probably has its place and has its role but it's when you embrace what he calls the device paradigm, which says there ought to be a device for everything, but there really isn't a device for a healthy relationship with a friend or with a spouse or with your child or with your parent. Uh, there really isn't a a device for a healthy relationship with God. And I don't think there ever will be. Mm. So while there's a place in removing, you know what you might call uh, sort of meaningless difficulty from our, our lives, like difficulty that doesn't really produce growth, like a, Somebody asked me the other day about dishwashers, like like uh, mechanical or you know, mm-hmm. like my, the dishwasher that's under my uh, in my in my kitchen, and you know what? I think that's awesome. <laughs> Like, right. Right. I, I really don't mind offloading the drudgery of dishwashing onto a, a device.
0: Right.
1: I'm not so sure about the microwave uh, or frozen dinners, right? Because preparing a meal is a deeply meaningful, one of the core meaningful creative activities that we can do together. I guess you can wash dishes together. And actually when you do, it's much more uh, interesting and, and growthful. Mm-hmm. Um, But if I replace, so I don't really mind replacing cleaning up after the meal, at least the routine dishes with a dishwasher, but I don't want to be living on takeout my whole life, like letting someone else do the hard work or letting some factory do the work and just sticking it in the microwave. Mm. And I think maybe that's analogy for the choices we have to make over and over. Is this an area where I actually need to hold on to difficulty to Mm. have the kind of growth I want rather than just offload it onto a device or perhaps onto other people?
0: Right. You know, as I was reading the book, I think I think many people can probably start to recognize some very obvious and problematic ways that technology influences us. The the ease of access that we have to sin and pornography and things like this. And I think those are kind of the the low-lying fruit, you know, the easily spotted things, but as I was reading the book, I started to become aware even of more maybe subtle ways that technology is shaping our lives. I loved uh, your point in the book about the environment. You know, even our environments have become tech-centric, that, you know, a, a century ago or two centuries ago, the focal point of a living space would have been something creative, something difficult, a fireplace or piano, or something that that helped to bond people and create this human relationship together whereas now you know many times and and i was i thought this is exactly how my living room set up is that it is centered around a big screen tv right and this flat screen doesn't allow us to create anything it's just we just consume that screen in the same room and you talked about how that influences relational dynamics and human development and growth i thought that was so fascinating and things that i think people typically don't even recognize in how technology is shaping us so what are some things maybe that you would say to a christian family or parent or maybe a christian single professional what what maybe is one of the first things you know besides of course buying your book and being taught that way but one of the first things that you might suggest on this is a way that they can start to think and become more aware of these influences
1: well you know, the best way to become aware of the influences is to have a rhythm where you go without them, which, so I think uh, the principle of Sabbath, which is a a kind of regular withdrawal from the things that give us a sense of meaning, significance, and kind of self-provision, is just a very powerful principle. So if one day a week you turn off those things, that is long enough for you to start to notice how they've been shaping your, your own life, your relationships with other people you might live with or who might visit your home. Um, and I, I find, in, in the book, I recommend, uh, as you know, actually making this one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. Mm. Um, and these rhythms of withdrawal from our devices um, are beautiful because they're, they're like both diagnosis and prescription, which by which I mean, when you, when you withdraw from these things, and any of us who have, you know, even just put our phone in airplane mode for a plane flight, no, you have this phys, almost physical sensation of, it's oh, a withdrawal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. your, your little endorphin system is going kind of crazy, like, help, help, right. get, get me back. Right. Um, well, you discover something about the role that device plays. And and I think an hour a day is, is barely enough, but like a day a week, tw- a 24-hour period, and so our, in our house, All the devices get shut off for uh, Saturday night to Sunday night. Um, And you start to discover what they're doing. And then the interesting thing is it's also actually the prescription. So it's not just the diagnosis, but diagnosis, but it's actually the way to be free of the influence of these things is to have the regular habit of turning them off. And then when you, uh, for me, uh, just in a couple of weeks, we're talking in July and August, uh, we'll go on vacation as a family and we actually take two weeks and I will turn everything off for two weeks. And the first three or four days, I'm just so itchy and so, like, unsettled. And then I discover all these creative things there are to do. I have conversations with my kids and my wife. I never have any other time. I get out on my bike for way longer than I normally do. And, you know, partly that's because I don't have to go to work. But it's also partly because I've detoxed. (laughs) So one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year set it aside and just see what you find out about how these things are helping or not helping in the life you really want.
0: And I know for me, even that personal application of learning how to truly distance and sever the connection with technology, even that practice in and of itself reveals so much because it is so difficult. It creates all these withdrawal symptoms, you know, of, you know, frenzy and panic and, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And, And it starts to create kind of a new perspective, a new lens in which to view so many things. And I I start to reprioritize and start to see things as not really as important as I think they are, you know, especially the ones that are engaging in technology. You know, that Twitter post that I was just dying to post isn't really as important as I tend to think it is, you know. Uh, Everyone's life is probably going to continue on unabated.
1: Somehow they'll survive. Right.
0: Somehow it just works out, you know. So... You know, as you as you think about, um, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated too about the book is that you really shared personally about just this journey that you and your family have been on and how you guys have tried to implement these practices. I thought it was very honest assessment of yourself. You talked about the successes and the failures. And uh, I really appreciated that humble and honest uh, introspection of your own family. But I thought it was also very encouraging and inspiring that, hey, like anybody can do this. Anybody can learn how to detox Uh, from the unhealthy components and the ways that technology shape us. So thank you again for being willing to tackle this. And uh, I hope that, uh, you know, your not only your writing, but your own personal life and the life of your family can continue to inspire uh, many Christians, you know, even for generations on how to understand technology in its proper place. So is there any other, uh, you know, Uh, materials or or things out there that you might recommend for people if they wanted to kind of learn some more, go deeper in the subject matter that you might, they have really uh, influenced and shaped your thinking in all of this that you would recommend?
1: Well, I mean, if you really want to go deep on one aspect of it, it's Sherry Turkle's book, Reclaiming Conversation. You know, conversation, just like we've had uh, in this little time, is that it's, essential to being human. And she uh, teaches at MIT and, is, and has been studying in her lab how conversation is changing and getting lost. And uh, that's the place to go deep. If you uh, I, And honestly, I think we need to go deep on this stuff yeah. and really rethink. And so her book, John Dyer's book, um, <laughs> the name of which is completely escaping me right now, okay. uh, but you can append it <laughs> or right. put it on your... Um, which is a, a it used to be called Don't Eat the Fruit and then it was released with a new name okay. uh, really good Christian look and then Kara Powell and the team at the Fuller Youth Institute have a good book for parents of teens called Right Click that's especially about screens and social media and okay. uh, those are some of the really good further resources out there
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate the time and uh, hope that you guys here in the audience uh, would be able to check out his book. Again, it's called The TechWise Family. It's a great read. It's actually very short, very practical, very personal. And I think it has application not only to families and parents, but really to anyone trying to live out this technological reality through a more godly and God-centered focus and perspective. So, Andy, thanks again so much. It was great having you.
1: So great to talk, John. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this Faith Fuel podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time.